Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. January 1st, New Year's Day, a day of new beginnings, a day that many are making resolutions for, looking ahead with optimism, anticipation of all things new. Maybe looking back on a year that was filled with various trials and tribulations, things that we want to leave behind us to forget about. What is it about starting anew, starting fresh, a new beginning? There's some sort of appeal. As you look worldwide, New Year's Day is celebrated around the world. There's something exciting about new. As we look at our gospel text today, as Pastor Tom pointed out, was so short I asked Pastor Tom's forgiveness because I thought he made a mistake when he sent the readings to me. I thought, well, surely he left three or four or ten verses off. Surely there's more to our gospel. But as it stands, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And so while this is New Year's Day, in the church calendar, it's the feast of the circumcision and naming of Jesus. Now, if you go to gather your groceries this afternoon and they ask what you're celebrating, maybe tell them that you're celebrating the feast of Jesus' circumcision would not be the right approach today. But... That is what we celebrate. And there is more to that reading than meets the eye when we read it initially. The eighth day, what was so significant about that eighth day? In Scripture, numbers have meaning, and certainly the number seven represents completeness. But the number eight represents a new beginning. A new beginning that was tied to the newborn king, to the Christ child. It was a faithful mother and father of Jewish faith that took their child on the eighth day to be circumcised, to dedicate him to the Lord and to give him a name. And so this day we celebrate how the giver of the law has placed himself under the law. That even to the point of circumcision, the shedding of blood, and that shedding of blood on that eighth day after his birth foreshadows the shedding of blood that will take place on the cross for us. Jesus, as an infant child, because of the faithfulness of his parents, was demonstrating a life of active obedience a perfect righteousness in human flesh and bearing in the flesh the full consequence of all human sin, my sin and your sin, of our rebellion against him and against his law. And to get a sense for what this law and this, this promise is, we have to go all the way back to Genesis 
right after the fall. And we look in Genesis chapter 3, and you might remember when the Lord was talking to the serpent, and he said, I will put enmity between your seed and the woman's. He will crush the head of the serpent and you will bruise his heel. That was the promised seed way back in Genesis. It was God that assumed that covenant. And shortly thereafter, we we see this covenant with Abram. Not yet had he become Abraham when he received this covenant, but we have to understand what this covenant looks like. And so at a time and place where this was common to people, it spoke very much to them. It's different for us now. We use a signature in our covenants and our contracts and our agreements. But at that time, they would come to an agreement and they would take an animal sacrifice and they would split it in two and they would take those two halves and they would lay them open. And whatever was agreed upon, each party would walk through the middle, through the entrails of that sacrifice. And thus it would be for the individual that broke the covenant. If they broke it, it would be the same to them as it was to that animal sacrifice. So they would cut a covenant. But what was different about the covenant that God made with Abram when he fell into that deep sleep? Abram saw God in a smoking pot and in a flaming torch. He himself was both the maker and the keeper of that promise and that promised seed. He, God the Father, was the only guarantor of that promise, of that covenant. It was him alone. And it was his honor, his pledge. And although Abraham's descendants break the covenant, God himself in Christ Jesus comes and offers himself in place of the defaulting partner, in place of us. Because we cannot keep that law. And that seed promise, that, that promise from, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, to Judah to David, all the way to Jesus. That sign points back to the promise of God born man. God incarnate. The word made flesh. And the newborn king, the Christ child. And so we have this covenant. And then later in Genesis, there's the covenant of circumcision, this sign that is given of that covenant to Abraham. A covenant in the flesh. Again, a covenant that points back to the shedding of blood on the cross. But this circumcision of the flesh, there's an important important distinction that This is something that man does. This was a sign given. But what do we have now? Baptism, the new covenant. We have been washed clean in the covenant of baptism. This is a circumcision of our heart. It is not the works of man's hand, but the sole work of God alone in the miraculous waters of baptism. It's a pivotal day because he who knew no sin 
became sin. And he was taken on the eighth day to be circumcised, to begin to fulfill the law that God had made, that covenant promise, that seed way back in Genesis, right after the fall, is coming to fruition in Jesus. The eighth day, a new beginning. You might notice that old baptismal fonts, our baptismal fonts, many are eight-sided. Eight-sided representing our new beginning. Our new beginning that occurs at our baptism. He's fulfilling the law and being the one whom the covenant promised. Your eighth day, my eighth day, our baptism, that's our new beginning. It's our true union with the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what's in a name? Surely there's no one here that hasn't named something, whether it be a teddy bear or a baby doll, an action figure, maybe your car, a child. Maybe there was a lot of thought put into that name. Maybe it was just a name handed down like Thomas. It wasn't handed down. But what's different in Scripture is that when you start to look at names, they're rich with depth, rich with history, and rich with meaning. Especially when you look at the names that the Lord gives. Abram, for example, example, was exalted father. But when God made that covenant with him, in ancient times when a covenant was made, a changing of a name also occurred. And so in keeping with that, Yahweh gave him the name Abraham, which meant father of many nations. Messiah, the Hebrew word for the anointed one. Christ, the Greek word for the anointed one. Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. As the angel was speaking to Joseph, letting him know that he was okay to take Mary as his wife that there hadn't been impropriety, that she indeed was carrying a child miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. Jesus Savior, rich with meaning, our Savior, our Redeemer. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. Our salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. It is Jesus, the name above every name, the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord, the Lord of all. We spoke of the Old Testament sign of the covenant of circumcision. But we have received the new covenant of our baptism. And that's the circumcision of our heart. And in Deuteronomy 10, 16, it says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart 
and be no longer stubborn. A heart responding in faith to God's grace. I want to read to you a few verses from Colossians chapter 2 that describe this so incredibly well, verses 11 through 15. I think my version is an ESV, yours is NIV, but if you wish to follow along, it's on page 834 of the Pew Bible. And Paul says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. A circumcision made without hands. That's not something we do. That is something that God does in us. By putting off the body of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, by getting rid of that sin that so easily entangles, that constantly tempts us, and then Satan, the great accuser, says, ah, I got you. We've got to put off that body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ through our baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God. A rich image that Paul often uses, that we are drowned, that we are dumped, that the sin is washed off and that we are raised to new life in Christ. A beautiful image. That is not man's work. That is God's work. God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses. We are dead in our sins. The wages of sin is death. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt. It stood against us with its legal demands. We could not fulfill the law. We can't do it. No matter how righteous we think we are, we can't do it. But God promised a seed through Abraham. And he has come. And you were born anew. And you were washed clean in your baptism. This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. Jesus became the law And he fulfilled it. He subjected himself, the guarantor of that covenant. And he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame. Sure didn't look like that when he was on the cross, when he was pierced for our transgressions. It looked like the Romans had won. But he who was silent before those that accused him, as he endured the scourging, as he endured the ridicule, the mocking, as he endured carrying the cross, as he endured the nails, as he endured the forsakenness that was for us. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. A beautiful picture as we put on Christ in our baptism. That he has done it all. He's fulfilled the law. And he has given us a new baptism. A new beginning through our baptism. And as we look at our Old Testament reading, we may have a difficult time assimilating how something in the Old Testament so long ago given to 
Moses to give to Aaron, to the line of priests that we still to this day receive at the end of the service. Maybe even you gloss over it because it's become so mundane and rote that you hear it every week. You miss the strength that is within those words. And you miss what God is saying to you. It is an absolution. This Old Testament covenant is the New Testament in his blood. And he is connecting those. He is intertwining that blessing that he gave through Aaron to his people Israel. Who now in the fulfillment of Christ in the New Testament of his blood. He's putting his name, the Lord, upon us. We are his baptized, called by his name. His name, it saves people from his sin, from their sins. His name, Jesus. And he says, bless and keep you. As pastor stands before you and he raises his hand, that's what God is doing. It is him that is speaking those words to you. He's lifting his hands with a gracious attitude toward you. And he will guard you and he will protect you. It is he that keeps you. He doesn't sleep or slumber. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. In his loving and gentle kindness, his merciful way, he looks at you. He looks at me. And he lifts his countenance upon us and gives us peace. It's that sense that you get when you look at a little child who's just done something that is far too adorable. That sense of innocence, that faith that just makes the corners of your mouth turn upward. That pride, that love, that sense of desire to protect. That is what the Lord is communicating to you in the benediction, in that absolution. As he looks upon you with his gaze, what's the result? Peace. Well-being. Wholeness. When you wake in the morning, whether you are a morning person and you wake and you say, good morning, Lord. Or you're one who wakes in the morning and says, good Lord, morning. <laughs> May you remember that whether it's January 1, the new year, whether 2022 was terrible or great, whether you expect 2023 to be incredible. May you remember your baptism, your new beginning, that you get to remember each and every day. May you remember that his mercies are new every day. And may you wake to the joy of your salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. The one who is named because he forgives people for their sins. 
And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.